You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, everybody? What is going on? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I super appreciate it, as always. I'm really stoked to bring this one to you. It is long, long, long overdue, like so many episodes that have been coming out recently. But hey, better late than never, and I'm pretty stoked to get this one to you. Yeah, so this one, Josh and I talk about this a lot in the beginning, so I won't rehash it too much, but he came back on episode 10 in 2015. And again, we uh, we beat this dead horse absolutely to death about how much things have changed for both of us since then, and yada, yada, yada. But suffice it to say, we're now on episode, I believe this is going to be 228, somewhere in there, two, somewhere between 227 and 230. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to lie, but somewhere in that ballpark. So yeah, lots of blabbering by me on the internet since 2015. And that doesn't even count all the episodes of Chasing Tone, so I think we're on 350 or something like that uh, of Chasing Tone. I honestly don't even know. There's so many over there. But yeah, I'm still doing that, by the way. If you haven't tuned in in a while, we've had a little bit of a format change-up. We've introduced one of the dudes over at Wampler. Well, he does a lot more than just Wampler stuff, but Richard Oliver, great dude from the UK, has joined the cast of characters that was just Brian and myself for a very long time. So that's been really great. If you haven't checked that show out in a while, we, we've gotten even weirder with it. And uh, yeah, if you can imagine that. Anyway, you can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. In the same player that you're hearing this, as a matter of fact. Okay, I have one little bit of business I want to get to before I get into this episode. And it's just small, so I'll make it fast. Here we go. Basically, I know I've been talking about working on this record basically all year, all of 2021. I've been incessantly talking about working on this record, and it is about to drop. It is going to drop tomorrow, and it is going to drop right here. Wherever you're listening to this podcast at, that is where the record will be. It's about 33 minutes long. It's all intended to be listened to in one go, and it's supposed to try to create a story for you. And I have something in my brain when I put it all together of how that story was intended to go. And I've shot it out to a few people here and there to get their opinions on it. So when you go to listen to that tomorrow, if you get the chance, uh, just 
you know, hit me back wherever you want to hit me and let me know what it is that it creates in your brain. You know, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what this is um, crafting in people's minds. And a really great place to do that is on the text chat. So you can text me at 503-751-8577 and you will be joining the text community where I go back and forth with people directly. I send out like, you know, a lot of music business stuff, a lot of just more general things. It's not all gear focused. It's a lot more just open conversation about music, about life, about business, about food. <laughs> it could be anything, but it's really fun. And that number will be in the show notes as well. But again, that's 503-751-8577. And you can talk with me about the album that's coming out tomorrow. So stay tuned. It will drop right in your player. You can check out the whole thing tomorrow. All right, enough of that. Let's get into this episode with Mr. Josh Scott of the JHS Show and JHS Pedals. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're familiar with him. And if not, you're about to get more familiar. So here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. With me today, I have somebody who was on the podcast in the very beginning, almost. And, you know, it's great to have him back, Mr. Josh Scott from JHS Pedals, the JHS Show, the JHS Everything. What's going on, man? Not much. Good to be here. I mean, there is a lot going on, but today there's <laughs> not. Today's my chill day. It's good to be back. Yeah, I've. When was I on? I honestly, it was you know, a long time ago because it was before I did my old podcast, which yes. I quit running that podcast at least four years ago. Let's see. Uh, I was going to pull that up beforehand because i was actually thinking i was like it's got oh you were episode 10 in october of 2015 <laughs> <laughs> whoa we were babies yeah i think uh, this should be episode two almost 230 i think maybe like 228 or somewhere wow. I, i'd have to check so and then like at that time i wasn't doing the chasing tone podcast with wampler I I started doing that almost every week after one episode after episode 100 of that show and we're on like 380 something now. That's so. insane. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> been a lot of me jabbering on the internet since you and I last recorded. You're like podcast famous now. It's There's so many podcasts you had to become famous eventually. I you know in certain circles in most circles people were like who? What? You talk about what on the where? Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure you can relate to with the the JHS show. I mean, let's let's try to take the journey from last you came on. So that was October 2015. I know we uh, talked a lot about your, you know, inspiration with Robert Keeley and all the other stuff. We like got the 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 very early story of JHS there. What what has happened since so, then? Tell me the year it was. When was it again? Because I'm actually I'm having to Google my life real quick to see when a couple. <laughs> it's like that crazy. 
when October 20, 20 yeah October 21st of 2015 is when the episode oh, was Oh man released. I mean oh my gosh uh <laughs> it's it's so long ago <laughs> that, That's uh if you add in 2020 that's like that's almost 15 years you know Yeah no I, kidding man I like for instance I co-released a pedal with Boss in 2017 Mm-hmm. And Angry that driver. feels yeah, and that feels like a decade ago in my head. Like I don't even know 2015. I'm not even sure what I did. Like I'm actually gonna Google it really quickly. Like 20 just to give me perspective. This is hilarious. 20, I'm Googling JHS Pedals 2015 release. Oh, the Muffaletta. Oh yeah, okay. That, that feels right. like a hundred years ago. <laughs> and the steak and eggs with Robert. Okay, yeah. so I remember that year pretty well now. Uh, oh man, yeah, it's another universe. I'm just thinking, you know, I don't know if I've really talked about this on the podcast, but when you came on on episode 10, I still hadn't really told any of my friends or family that I was doing the podcast. Like nobody really knew in my immediate circle. And I like got up, got up early before work to come out here to record it. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go talk to this guy about guitar pedals. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, okay. And like, she kind of knew I was like trying to figure out internet stuff. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, my husband's a nerd, whatever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's like, why is she going to talk? He's going to talk to somebody about analog something or others. I don't know. Uh, And then like, you know, a few months later, I was like, Hey, this is really picking up steam. She's like, your nerd talks or people care. Okay. (laughs) That's great. And uh, a few years later, I was quitting my job to do this and, other guitar pedal related things full time. So yeah, it's been, this is a weird trip down memory lane. Uh, wow. Yeah. Weird time. It is. It is wild. 2015, man, that I had, it's just unbelievably different. Um, I think we had 15 employees. We have 45 now. Whoa. Like the, on that scale. The, sh- the show was a non-exist like that whole thing had not evolved that's like a macro evolution of sorts that kind of started in 2015 sort of uh, there's so much we 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 could talk for six seven hours on this podcast you know if you want to hey i'm game i'm okay. game the re- the record is uh the record's three so far yeah um, this is wild uh yeah 2015 man that it it brings back a lot of a lot of it's like the memories you have completely forgotten like when i googled that i instantly morphed like it's pretty wild cuz the muffaletta even started in our old facility we built our building we're in now and we've outgrown it like the actual building i said i would never need all of we're like dying we're dying in it um so it's interesting. Yeah, it feels like a weird future nostalgia kind of oddness going on in my head right now. So 15 to for 47 is yeah, 45, yeah. Or 45. It's huge. <laughs> yeah, it's about it's 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 wild. We last year we built 
we closed out 2020 right at 100,000 pedals made and sold. And then we, a 2015, man, I don't even know. I think it would have been uh, 20,000 is mm-hmm. a good guess. 25,000 pedals. That seems, yeah. that pencils. And that's huge. Yeah. And that's like, that was huge. That was like, we bought a, we built a building to build pedals. Like it feels silly. It's like, you know. And you know this, you talk to gear people all the time. It's like none of us, hardly any of us expect to have companies actually grow to the size that they do. If you run them well, it's like you just wake up and you're like, I get to building pedals like this with tons of employees. Like this is weird, you know? Yeah. I mean, and wow, I'm having, I'm having flashbacks too. So like at that point I was still just uh, doing whatever I could. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to shoehorn myself into this world somehow. And uh, it wasn't until I think late in 2016 that I got involved with a company in Nashville called called Stringjoy. Um, And I've just like gotten more and more and more involved ever since. And I've like kind of watched a similar evolution where they went from two employees to, I think they're at like almost 20 now. Um, yeah and like i've went down there i'm like it's just like it's it's hard to process like everything that's happened in that time frame i'm like i was just down there last year like wiring up machines in the new facility that like similarly i was there a year and a half prior in the same building but in a different unit i'm like we're not gonna outgrow this (laughs) yeah oh it feels (laughs) crazy it feels crazy but yeah Man, so let's talk about the show a little bit. We're just kind of sitting here in awe yeah. of like what like <laughs> this industry has blessed us with. But like, let's talk about the journey of the show because when you were saying the roots of it started in 2015, I'm having to imagine that's like the promotional animations and things you guys were doing at the time. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, there's a couple. This is this is going to be fun. I'm actually like I haven't thought through this, so this is going to be fun. Um, but when I saw the Muffaletta name came up, that really triggered um, the reality of something I kind of knew. I've thought about the show and how it all started and how that's that's turned into a staff of five people right now. Wow. Which that alone is how, you know, in my head. So with the show, I would trace it back to number one, I love history and I love teaching. And I think in another world, if I'd gone to a school that understood how to educate people, (laughs) (laughs) Um, if I'd gone to a better public school, like I went to a really small, I'm not dissing my school. It's just a small County school, very rural, like 40 people in my graduating class, like, you know, the best you could get where I was. Um, I think I would have, I think I would have gone into teaching and stuff naturally. I love it. I love history. Um, going through the show, like thinking through the show in the last year or so and how it's been so successful and so fun. I often remember, you know, the things that come to mind for me are watching Ken Burns, the civil war with my dad, like 20 times, you know, just like mm-hmm. immersing in story and loving documentaries before they were cool. Before Netflix existed, I watched documentaries with my dad on PBS. And those are some of my fondest memories. Um, 
And then when you get to say 2015, all the ingredients are setting here for this thing that's going to happen that I don't realize. So in 2015 is the most, it's the most burnout I'd ever been in my life. Um, so JHS at this point is effectively eight years old. Um, a lot of employees at that time, 15 employees is nuts. If you, if you've never ran a business, no college education, you're a guitar player. You know, I have some common sense and I'm a hard worker, but at the same time, like good luck, you know, you, you gotta, you've, I'm sure you've heard business horror stories on your podcast, but it's like JHS almost destroyed itself over and over and over and over. Um, and so by the time I get to 2015, I'm really burnt out, man. Like, I think I remember you explaining that on that episode now. Like, I remember oh, probably you were, you were one of the first people that like hipped me to the fact that too much growth too fast in a business can actually be dangerous. And I've seen that over and over again at this point now. And I almost I need to go listen to it for fun. I think I will. I'll listen to it tonight because it'll be like it'll be like baby Josh probably falling apart on your podcast. Um, yeah. It, it, I Guitar was for me... Guitar, honestly, music and guitar... Like when I heard Pearl Jam 10 on my brother's floor, played the cassette tape, I was a eighth grader. It like changed my life. If I hadn't have had music, um, I would no doubt be what most people statistically are where I'm from, you know, some kind of drug addict dropout, like just, it's not good. You know, I'm from a very rural part of uh, Alabama, you know, very high on the, you know, meth podium awards ceremony. Um, it's like, it's just not a good, it's just not a good place. There's nothing to do. You know, it's just, it's bad news. So music saved me quite literally. And then you carry that through guitar was, Oh man, I would come home from school at three o'clock, right off the school bus. I'd run home, I'd get my guitar. I wouldn't know what the crap I was doing, but I'd play the guitar till midnight. I did that for years. It it was therapy. It was everything I needed. Got in bands and guitar was like the love of my life. So when JHS became a thing, it was really cool. It was like, I'm fixing these pedals. I'm like, people are buying these modded boss pedals. People are buying this morning glory overdrive, the thing that I just made myself and but by 2015, it was a classic case of I am now hating what I've what the very thing that I've loved and that has saved me. I'm hating guitar. I'm burnt out. I don't even want to hear guitar. I don't want to. I'm having a hard time connecting to why I even had a guitar. I now had a business about mm -hmm. guitar. Right. So 2015 was a dark hole. It was, there's some darker, you know, 2012's dark too, but 2015 was interesting. So, but I had people coming along and it was getting better. I'll say that 2015, it started getting better. The Muffaletta is a big deal from an engineering standpoint. Uh, John Cusack helped me with that. I had learned some things. I was learning how to network and, and have people help me do what I didn't know how to do. So you saw that with the Muffaletta. John did the digital side. I did the analog. I don't know digital. I'm not going to know digital. I don't, I refuse to learn because why I'll do what I love to do. You know, I'd learned that stuff around this time. I also don't know how to do taxes. So I found a really good tax person that that's the kind of thing I was developing around 2015 is like, do the things I'm good at 
and make sure other people are doing the other things and make sure the things that I love that keep me motivated start happening. So I'm really burnt out, but I'm learning this. And Nick, so everyone sees Nick now, you know, you see the show 30 million collective views on a YouTube channel and you see Nick and it's like, we've just always done YouTube. Well, no, like it's like two years old, kind of three years Mm -hmm. old, I guess. Nick was a builder. He started working for me when he was 16. First job he's ever had and the only job he's ever had. I am his only employer. (laughs) (laughs) So we have this crazy relationship. People joke. They're like, is he your son? Well, it's more like a it's more like a brother thing. Like I honestly feel like he's my little brother, and I think he would say like Josh is like a weird big brother that pays me, or like you know it's weird, like it's funny and weird, but we're like Batman and Robin or something, you know. And I I don't know how else to put it, but he he's he bought into JHS as a as a kid you know a 16 year old and he stuck around he almost left once he has funny stories about how hard it was and he's he's seen every version of me meltdown josh stressed out josh happy like he's seen every era and so in 2015 this if we link back to this old podcast there was a lot of stuff brewing there was me figuring out Man, if I'm going to continue to do this, uh, I got to not do some... I got to only do what I'm good at, and I got to do what makes me happy. So that was one thing that was happening around this time. And Nick was stepping into a different role. He had been just building pedals. He was building mini foot fuzzes and little black buffers and warbletrons and stuff. And he didn't love it, but he loved the job. You know what I mean? He loved JHS. And one day... I happen to know that he dinked around with like, you know, making movies as a kid and he's real creative, obviously. And I went to him one day and I said, I don't know the exact, it's probably around 2015, 2015, 2016. And it's like, Hey Nick, I'm going to transition you out of building. And I know this doesn't make sense. I don't actually know how it's going to work and no one's ever done this, but we're a pedal company and I'm going to bring you full time in to the world of making videos for our company because I'm done with guitar magazines. It's all dying. I don't like it. I don't like the game of it. I don't like the ad game, the marketing game that's gone on the NAM thing, you know, the, the typical guitar, here's how you sell a guitar thing. It felt like it was dying to me. This is 2015. Now you look back and go, wow. Yeah, definitely died. The old, the old school, you know, the old way of doing it. And I, I brought him on full-time creator, like a, like a content creation person because he was gifted and he was young and he was excited and I knew I couldn't do it. And I knew I had to find somebody that loved it so they'd own into it. And that all happened around this time. So were that's you, huge. were you paying attention to anybody like from the online marketing world or anything like that? Or did you come up with this on, on your own? Cause this sounds I've never, very, I've never listened to podcasts. I've never, no, this is just me and like the gut feeling of I, I've gone to NAMS. I was paying the marketing bills for magazines and I wasn't seeing a trackable result to me. You know, when I mentioned don't do the things I'm not good at, I also figured out what I think I was good at. And that was, I'm really good at designing a circuit that makes me happy and that'll translate and make other people happy. 
whether it's the best circuit ever, I don't really care. I just want to like it. And if I like it, I, other people will like it because I like it. And then I also knew I love branding and I love marketing. And those things are natural. Like, And I say that in a position of like, if you hear me say that, if you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, Josh is braggadocious. No, it's like, I suck at so much stuff. But I really did in this period right here, 2015, 16, 17, I, I kind of just accepted like, Josh, you really suck at like 90% of what you've been trying to do. Like you're horrible, but you're good at these three things. So like own it. And that's, I started making those decisions and they didn't make any sense. It felt, it felt like I was either going to crash and burn or I was going to be right. Um, and it was just a gut instinct. That's uh yeah, that's interesting because I mean, I was feeling, I hadn't been in the industry in the same way that you had. I, I, this podcast started in 2015. So like I said, you were episode 10 and I found that sort of similar to yourself. Like I kind of had a natural inclination for that. And the podcast has, has been like the door opener for me, but like, that's, what's let me work with a bunch of different companies and actually make that transition is I had some of the same, same qualities that you had. It's like, I understand yeah. this stuff. So that's why I asked that question is because there's a few people that I pay attention to in the, the online marketing world. But around that same time I was going magazines are man, nobody's really paying attention to the traditional magazine format anymore. And, you know, I would get people like friends in the industry, be like, Hey, this person wants to charge me this much for an ad. And I'm like, okay, well, what are they, what are they offering in return? And it was like nothing that you could tangibly put a finger on like no, at I, all. <laughs> man, for decades, people were writing checks to, and I don't not, I love magazines. Like I actually, you know, I fretboard journal. I read it. I love guitar, the British one. I, I just the advertising angle. It just, you could feel it dying. Like there was no point anymore. Um, And it's weird because people, man, since I would say the boutique age, I have this outline of like, I'll put it public at some point. I did a Patreon talk on identifying the eras of gear since 1960 through like, I kind of laid out my opinions on how gear evolved into different eras and what to expect in the future. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is like from that boutique, the origin of the boutique era. So Mike Fuller, George Tripps, the 90s, you know, Bill Finnegan, 95 people were just cutting checks to like vintage guitar and these dudes blind. They're just like, yeah, here's check, run an ad, run an ad, run an ad. And I could feel it not working. You know, it was because, I mean, those dudes were getting older and they had done a thing a certain way. You know, Robert Keeley started his company on Harmony Central, basically. Like that's a whole other world than me or Jamie Stillman. Right. Or or even Brian. Like Brian is before me, but Brian's still in what I would consider our group. Like he's still, you know, it's a fresh look. It's a fresh mind on things. Definitely. And you could you could just see that there was this death coming for <laughs> like a funeral dirge for marketing. <laughs> Honestly, it just felt like it's coming, man. This is not gonna work. Um yeah, and I mean, right now, I feel like Nam is right now on the chopping block. You know, even that, even that thing. The traditional format of it definitely is. I mean, you know, I I was blown away when I found out what 
what Nam costs. And then like when I tried to go the last, I think it was the last winter Nam actually. I tried to do it like official. I've had a pizza party every year at Nam. Yeah. And you know, we outgrew the restaurant really fast. The restaurant we were at, we to- totally took it over. I knew we couldn't go back there. And so last the the last time I was there, I think it was 2019, I think. That makes sense. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'll do this legit. And so I got with the Nam people and tried to get a room and have, you know, do it all official like, right? And for like an hour and a half, it was going to cost me, I don't remember what the number was, somewhere between eight and eight and 12 grand. I can't even remember what it was, but I was like, no, like, I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to go get like a few hundred bucks in pizza and park on the sidewalk. Like, forget that. Like, I'm not paying you that, that kind of money for that. And they were like, well, we'll cut you a deal. I'm like, how much of a, I mean, you're going to have to cut me a 95% off deal to get me <laughs> to be interested in this, you know? And, uh, and that's just one small thing, you know, that's not having a big room like Fender has, or even a a booth like you've had, like it's, Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. We did our last Nam, you know, right. The pre COVID Nam where we were shaking hands with our Chinese distributor as they were sweating and coughing on us. Right. You know, that, that was like, that really was real. It was like, that cost us right at 50 grand probably right at it and that yeah. is uh that's nothing when i talk to friends like brian ball and i you know he'll say like yeah we spent like x amount don't tell and you know it's like oh my god like i'd like crap on myself yeah <laughs> and you see those numbers and you're just like geez this is unbelievable and uh, then you probably me, oh yeah but for me fifty thousand. I actually ran, so I ran tests at that NAM. I was determined at that NAM. I went to that NAM. So this is pre-COVID, everything, you know. Nobody knows what's coming. And Steve and I, Steve's my general manager. What Nick is to the show, Steve is to pedals. No one ever sees Steve, but that's kind of how the company works. You have the show and you have pedals. I kind of, I'm the middle, obviously. And those are the two guys that make these things work. And Steve and I basically said, we are no longer comfortable with paying this amount of money for an untrackable return that feels like a really cool hangout. And I love hanging out, but it just felt like for 50 grand, I already had it plotted. I could fly to Japan. I can go to these distributors. I can go do this. I can throw a local party, like, you know, 50 grand, dude. And we tracked our time with distributors, how long our conversations went, were they effective? Could we have done it over just doing like a monthly dealer video or Zooms? We were already having these talks and we left that NAM. I remember getting in the rental car, packed the crate, and I looked over at Steve and said, that was it. We're never going back. And then COVID happens. And so to me, there's a deep irony. And from my perspective, it feels like, COVID just exposed what people had not yet realized because they were just having fun hanging out. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of people have fifty to a hundred thousand more dollars in their wallet and they're like, oh, okay, I don't have to go to NAM. Like right. no one, no one, you know, because NAM's fun, kind of. Like if we're an exhibitor, it's hard, but it's fun to see your friends and hang out. But man. 50 grand in your wallet. 
I'll take and you that. Could, and you could, you know, fly your friend to you. Oh, <laughs> you do. You yeah, know, whatever. Like, dude, Southwest flights and 50 grand, that is like, bring it. I, I had a plan, you know. I can, I can do anything I want and have tons of money left over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's been talked about a lot. I mean, I, Brian and I have talked about it on Chasing Tone. Like, like maybe we should all just get together outside of this. Like, pretend, yeah. like, instead of going, like, everyone agrees their favorite part is getting to hang out. Like, what if you got a bunch of food trucks together in Portland or Kansas City or wherever and had everybody come out for a weekend and, you know, you pay five bucks and you can kind of come in and, and, and then you can buy stuff if you want, like a swap meet with a bunch of pedals and amps and whatever and not have it be this crazy thing that no one even understands anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's, it's wild. I just, yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I guess the giant rabbit trail is like, it felt like all of this was inevitable to me in my head. And so I think that's how the show started was me just readjusting going no more print ads, no more of this. This doesn't work. And and it's not even that it didn't work for us. Let me disclaim that it might work great for other people. And I don't care. Like I, it's not, you know, whatever, do whatever you're kind of, we'll do whatever you feel like is best for your company. But for JHS pedals, certain things no longer worked. And I, I knew it. I had a gut feeling as well about certain things. So it was like, Hey, we're gonna, I'm going to like turn Nick loose. I'm going to say, Nick, we're putting out a crayon pedal, make a freaking stop motion movie for the fun of it. Cause it's fun. Not because we need an ad, but like, let's, let's make, stories and let's make content around our products that we love and let's be a little weird. Like no one's doing this. No one had done teaser videos. No one had, you know, I remember like the moonshine going out in the woods and like filming a fake moonshine, like the unicorn with Daniel Tyak, like flying Daniel out and like having him ride a horse in a freaking Thor looking costume <laughs> with a cape eating a sandwich. You know, it's like, we just decided we have a personality, JHS. Like, I'm goofy. I'm a nerd. And I was like, I'm my personality does not come through in Premiere Guitar ads. And I love Premiere Guitar, but that was the switch for me. And it was, Nick, let's do this. Let's change how we show our company because we obviously don't fit with this system that's been in place for about 20 years. Yeah, and I would argue that most people that are you know, I think you're just a little bit older than me, but we're roughly from the same generation. Like, I'd I would argue that it doesn't fit hardly anybody that's uh, I don't running. Think, how old are you? I'm 32. Yeah, I'm 38. So yeah, same ballpark. Same. same yeah, thing. yeah. So it just doesn't seem like I don't know. It's never made sense to I think most people who are paying attention. Uh, I mean, yeah. even even Brian. Brian's a little bit older than both of us, and he's like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, he's always been. Of that yeah, Brian's sharp. Brian's really sharp. It just doesn't make sense to do something because someone else has done it. You know, it reminds me there's this old story about this family sitting at the dinner table and it's uh, a daughter, her mom, and the mom's mom, so the daughter's grandma. So it's like three generations of these ladies sitting at the table and they're sitting down about to 
dig into this ham that grandma cooked, like this nice dinner. And the little girl asked her mom, right? She asked her mom, she says, why is the ham cut in half? And the mom goes, I don't know. And she looks at her mom, which would be the little girl's grandma and goes, grandma, why is the ham cut in half? That's just like, I do it, to, you know, and the grandma goes, well, it wouldn't fit in our wood burning stove when I was a kid. That's how we've always cooked them. And that's kind of how it feels. That's how marketing feels to me. People just doing it because it freaking fit in their wood burning stove 30 years ago. So keep doing it that way, even though you're not using the wood burning stove, you know. We don't have to cut the ham that way. We don't have to do that that way. Um, if that makes any sense, then that's been my philosophy is like, let's just not do it because everyone else does it because it doesn't, that's not going to fit our company. And honestly, that won't fit anyone's company, which is sad. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I wonder, I mean, it's, it's kind of fascinating to see some of these entities and how they kind of staunchly refuse to adapt. There's some that have, like I think Premier Guitars done a pretty good job at moving towards yeah, more have. online content and guitar also guitar.com I think does a pretty Doing good job. stuff. Yeah. So like there's a handful, but then there's some that I guess we, you know, without naming names, we're sort of naming them like that that's they're just still kind of doing what they've done for 30 years and hoping that that works. And I just don't you know, I, I, it makes me wonder when one if one day they're going to wake up and be like, you know, this internet thing. Uh, maybe we should look into this a little bit <laughs> more closely. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it feels, you know, being from the south, I'll use a, uh, you know, I'll use a, a visual, which is like where I'm from. There's like, you know, a stop sign and a gas station in my hometown. You can't even call it a city, but there's like. 10 churches right there, which is like always amusing to me. And then, you know, it's the same thing with like, you look at a lot of like, like a lot of churches are like, dis like that whole thing's disappearing because it's in a lot of ways, you're not going to get any young, no one new's going to come along because you're not doing anything to meet that, those new people. And so your whole establishment is just going to dissolve off the face of the earth. That's how some of the marketing feels. It's like, you know, you wonder why this, you know, the church over there across the road only has 10 people and they're 70, you know, it's like, well, that's how the gear world feels too. That's how a lot of worlds start to feel. You're running your magazine ads wondering what's going on but it's like well maga you know it was over dude it ended like 10 years ago there's like a lot of parallels there with how some of that feels from where i'm at in the south at least you know uh just doing it the same old way and like wondering why there's no younger people or why aren't there any women doing this or guitar you know like why are there no youth and it's like if you ask certain people what TikTok is, they'd be like, well, like, is that like a clock? You know, and it's just, it's, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just, that's the reality of when things start moving at the pace they are now, like technology so fast. I feel like I'm, I'm knowledgeable and I try to stay ahead, but dude, it it's tough from, you know, like, I remember seeing TikTok like, what? Is this, is this a thing? Isn't this Vines? Is this the Vines thing? Yeah, it's just, it just feels wild. Yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm trying to pay attention 
you know, and it becomes difficult even for somebody who's pretty plugged in yeah. and whose job is to pay attention. I'm like clubhouse. Okay. Now I got to figure out clubhouse. Dude, like, no, I got an invite and I'm like, <laughs> what's clubhouse. And we're in the danger zone, like 32 to 40. Yes. That's the danger zone, man. Cause I you, know. you start, your dog gets old, you have a kid gets old, you know, you have, you've been married a while. You just kind of like, you turn into the dude, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I was just talking about this with with Wampler, how we're at the point now where it's like Gen Z is now making fun of us. And, and I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean my black rock and roll T-shirt isn't cool? What are you trying to tell me? What do you mean that's not cool anymore? Right. And they're like, no, it's not cool. You got to wear mom jeans and uh, and look like a a mother from 1994 to be cool. I'm like, you do? When did this happen? I've been, re- I've been rebelling against this my entire life. And now you're telling me that's what's hip. What am I doing? It's, yeah, uh, it, it's, weird. it's fascinating. And I think, I think that's like the adjustment that you, you have to make on some level. For me, that's been JHS needs to be who I am. You know, it's my company. You know, it, it's, that's just how it works for better or worse. JHS pedals is always attached to me. Six foot six nerd. Like I'm court, you know, I am who I am and I, I have to just be okay with that. And if people identify with that and have fun, then good. If they don't go by Brian's pedal or Robert's pedal and that's great. And there is this thing about like, how do we stay in tune and not lose who we are? And like, you know, I'm obviously I'm never going to be 16 again, but how do I relate to the 16 year old? You know, for me, I I love teaching. And so that has been history. And I think that's why the show, I, I am who I am, but these stories, these people, these narratives, the stuff I'm working on for a book, the documentary stuff that I will be working on for years to come. We can get into that later, but it's like, that's the connect for me. It's to teach people where stuff came from. That's always hip. Does it blow you away? Because the more I think about this, and I know you and I have talked a little bit off the air about it, but does it blow you away that there's a legit, like, full-blown documentary movie about this world that's coming out? I can't, I still can't hardly believe that. I mean, they, I know you were involved quite a bit in it, and yeah. they were here in the Shred Shed filming some stuff too, and it's like, what? What? My like I tell this to my my dad and he's like you're going to be in a movie? I'm like apparently, <laughs> I guess I I guess so. This doesn't like yeah. it's hard to it's hard for me to even process. You know, hopefully it, that thing sees the light of day at some point, but still. Yeah, I I think it it will. I think it's going to be cool. It there's it it feels logical to me. I I think I think that reverb, you know, is the perfect place because it fits their narrative really well and who they are as a company used gear and all the stories and they work with all the companies and I'm excited to see it. You know, my, my job on that was I was in Chicago working and I scheduled to run over to reverb across the strips at CME. So I ran over across the street and they're like, can we have you sit down in a chair and just tell us the, this is literally what I was asked to do. And it made me so happy. They said, can you just sit down in a chair and tell the entire story of the history of pedals? And I was like, yes. 
and I, <laughs> I started in like a three hour uncut. There's no way that'll ever see the light of day in that format, but I literally started with the like, I think I started with the Diarmond 601, 1940, whatever, and I just walked through every single person, every story. And I remember at the end, they were like staring. It was almost like they were watching like an alien being. Like it just was all in there. Like I had, was like fully immersed in some other stuff too. And I've been interviewing these people all over the world now for a while. I have all this footage. We're going to work through stuff. And, and the show shows, the show is us practicing for a bigger thing in a lot of ways. Um, and we're in no hurry. But it was funny to sit down and do that. And then having seen some of the ads and all, I'm really excited. I mean, it's going to be a really cool movie. And yeah, I, at first I'm like, I can't believe there's a pedal movie, but it makes so much sense. There's so many people who love this. I mean, your podcast, my show, Brian's stuff. I mean, my goodness, there are millions of people that just eat this stuff up and they love it. They love pedals. They pedals are so weird. They are, <laughs> they're these little boxes. They're, they're full of story and narrative and they just, they time travel, man. They have so many stories in them. There's a phone ringing in my house and I don't even have a landline. Uh-oh. How's that possible? That could be creepy. Can That's you hear nice. that? You hear I that? don't hear I don't hear it. Never mind it. This mic's doing its job. Um, <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, I mean, these pedals, it makes sense. They carry such a vital history to our culture. Like this first book, I'm working on two books. One is called Guitar for Girls. And it's a it's the story of female inventors and artists who are overlooked um, all throughout history of guitar it's fascinating stuff i'm co-writing it with a girl um and then the other one is is my layout of the first pedal ever through woodstock so it's like seven years of the fastest culture change america ever saw and why it was caused by the sound of the guitar changing um and i'm really excited about that so when i i'm all in this world like i'm working on stuff all the time writing episodes uh so the pedal movie makes sense to me but i'm also like living inside of this bucket full of this stuff you know so i think from the outside it'll be cool to see how young people view this i i want i want to see the younger people watch this i want to see the 14 year old the 16 year olds watching this pedal movie and going oh my gosh like that's the dude that made the thing that john mayer uses or, or the person that's like who's john mayer they'll be like Who's because that's happening now? There will right. be someone who's like, "Oh, that's the thing." Like, yeah, they use that that band. I don't even know who the band is. See, I'm not even cool, but I'm just like, "Who's who made the thing that's helping my person make their thing?" And making sure those stories don't get lost. Man, there's so much to unpack there. I I uh, I think it's best if we divert a little bit. I <laughs> I told the Facebook group that you were coming, and. They have some que- they have some questions for you. I need to be on this more than once every how many years? Is this six, six years, years or so? Yeah, we, yeah, you we can, do. We can figure this out. Yeah, we can do a better job at. at <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll coordinate this. We'll, I have well, an we already, now. Yeah, 
that's yeah, that's helpful. I I don't. I need to get one, but it's not quite in the budget yet. I'm getting there. We'll get there. Subscribe on Patreon. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, here's a good one because you bring this up a lot, and this is the first thing that people notice about you when you when they they meet you in person is that you're very tall. Yeah, uh, especially when you're very short, like I am. Uh, and I've got some tall boys in the group. Uh, Scott Hamilton and uh, Justin Veck. Uh, they're very active in in a lot of the podcast groups, but they're both very tall as well. And they would like to know where you buy your long sleeve shirts. Oh, this is see, this is what the world needs. This kind of this kind of Q and A. Absolutely. Um, I only wear. So here's the deal. I just buy talls. It's gotten easier. Um, I'm I'm. Despite what you see. I am a true introvert, um, but, you know, I've learned to just be myself on camera and have fun. You know, a lot of people will be like, he's an extrovert, but it's like, no, not really. Like I film all day and then I go home and lay in the bed and read a book and like wish I was dead. You know, I'm so exhausted. Uh, so I've quit shopping a long time ago in public. So I don't like getting out. And I just started discovering you just get online and order tall clothes. Like Nike has tall, like my favorite my favorite clothes all come in talls. I mean, pretty much any brand nowadays. Um, Patagonia's pretty tall anyway. Uh, you have like everything. Honestly, everything I wear to some extent is tall. L.O. Bean has all the talls, all that stuff. So that's my advice uh, because it really sucks to have, you know, like belly shirts and sleeves <laughs> that come up to your elbows. <laughs> you end up looking like, like, you know, Fred Flintstone or something involuntary for Fred, Fred Flintstone. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have the opposite problem. I'm kind of like a, a, a short cube. So I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird different kind of problem. I mean, I just have to be very specific with my t-shirts. Otherwise I kind of end up in the same scenario, but with short sleeves, it's kind of a weird, okay. uh, it's a weird deal. But uh, let's see. Kevin Fontana, he says, he owns almost every pedal that exists. Ask him if he had to choose, and this is not fair, Kevin. Uh, ask him if he had to choose three or four pedals for his Desert Island rig, what would he choose other than his own brand? I can't use my brand, huh? That's what he says. Well, thanks a lot for that one. Let's see. I would go, is it four or three? Because that's a big deal. Let's go four. Let's that, that that's too mean to go through. All right. So I do an H nine. That's All cheating, right. but I would do an H nine. Acceptable. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're making the rules. If I, you know, if I can have the H nine, I go H nine. Uh, I would go with. Uh, can't use my pedals. Um, I want a good fuzz face, so I would just, you know, whatever. There's a lot of them. Uh, as long as it's made well, I don't really care. So just whatever. Even some of the newer trips, Dunlop, Fuzz Faces, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I would do that. I would, uh, I still want an analog delay with tap. I don't need tap on an island though, because there's no band. Uh, just give me, you know, give me a memory man. Memory man. Right. Yeah. Classic. I want the vibrato chorus on there. Memory man. That sounds good. Fuzz face. And now I got to pick a drive pedal. So I'm going to pick a two in one because that feels intelligent because it's yeah. cheating as well. 
No, that's not cheating. That's acceptable. That's not cheating. No. Uh, I'll just say something like my like my friend Dave Brown's protein because okay. it's almost like a morning. It's almost like a double barrel. It's it's his flavor, and I know Dave, and it's great. So there you go. That's my rig. I like it. I like it. All right, Wade Wood. He says you should ask him which Kansas City barbecue place is the best. And he says, if you say anything other than blank, he's wrong. But I'm not going to tell you what it is until after you uh, answer. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Casey Joe's. Well, he said Joe's, so I'm assuming okay. that's the, the place. So Joe's has the cocaine fries. They're glazed in a nice cocaine that you you have to eat like seven pounds of them before you leave. And then you don't realize you've eaten that much. They're unbelievable. Best ribs in town. Mm. They have the Z-Man, which is a famous sandwich. Uh, it's brisket, onion rings. It's it's a it's a it's a gut punch. Oh, I just googled and, it. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, there's mm. people that have it tattooed on them, and they're you know. And if I'm in a lighter mood, like let's say I'm feeling like, hey, Josh, you're older, you should back off and eat nice. Their smoked chicken salad is delicious. Okay. You know, yep. so I can go either way. I can pound the fries, lay in the parking lot and moan. I can, like, do the ribs. I could do the Z-Man, or I could get a salad, and I'm happy. All right. Solid. Solid. Yeah. I, I really need to visit Kansas City. I'm a I'm a barbecue fiend, and Portland has a lot of really good barbecue, despite what people say. It really does. Um, Dude, you should come down. You saw Ryan Burke was on the show. So I'm I, doing the the Wednesday lives. It's all mm-hmm. about guests. I, you know, I want guests. So come and do a come and do a Wednesday live with us. Oh, dude, that would be a lot of fun. You get to walk into the room that has 4,000 pedals and decide what you want to talk about. Oh, man. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to take you up on that. That yeah. sounds like a great time. But you're going to have to come here also. Sure. The Shred Shed doesn't have as many pedals as what you have, but it's close. And there's a lot of wood, you know, because it's Portland. Yeah. <laughs> Why I, not? The only time I've been to Portland was to film the Paul Gilbert stuff you saw, you know, yes. the, the silly basketball court scene and then the stuff in his basement. It was like a weird. Uh, I don't even remember when we went. I guess it would have been. It was probably December or something because it would have been before Nam. That sounds right. Yeah, because I, I yeah. saw by the time I knew that you were here, you were already on the plane home. I was like, ah, well, yeah, we were in we were in town for 36 hours and we spent 28 hours in his basement. You know, it's one of those trips. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Real glamorous, those, like those super trips. glamorous. Absolutely. Everyone everyone knows what it's like to spend 26 hours in Paul Gilbert's basement. <laughs> everyone knows. All right, yeah. we'll we'll take one more question from the group. Um there's, you know, Ryan Burke saying talking about five guys and yeah, of course he did. But this has been a, a topic that's came up occasionally on on the show and I'd be really curious to actually get your take. I just talked to Rhett Scholl about this. Um if you had to pick between these two Strymon pedals, uh Jason Goodwin is asking this question. Deco versus Flint. Which one are you taking? Flint. Flint? I'm starting to feel like the odd man out with the Deco here. I love the Deco so much. It's one of my favorite pedals. Deco's great. I just go... uh, I... I love... I love this. They're smaller 
you know, the smaller units are my faves. I get lost sometimes in the big stuff. And that Flint to me is just a really, I just will always use that. You know, I'd plug into my basement head with that and go to town. Having one drive pedal and that Flint and I can play a whole gig. That is true. It is a very straightforward. It all sounds great. And, you know, it's got sounds that everybody needs in it. So it's hard to argue with. I still yeah. love the Deco, though. Deco is my, my pick, but that's me. Uh, let's see if we have any more quick ones in here. Oh, there we go. Uh, moderator, Jason Fuzzmonger, he says, does he have a baritone and does it also look disproportionate on him? <laughs> I do. I have two. I, I I play them a bit. I need to do some stuff on the show with them, but I have, I have of course, an older down electro, you know, tic-tac baritone bass. Mm-hmm. And then I have one that a guy in Mississippi made me early JHS when I was building in the woodshed. There's a guy in Tupelo, um, Matt Gillum, and he made me a really beautiful. Uh, it's hard to. It's it's a jazz master baritone with P90s essentially. Um, cool. And it looks yeah, it looks like a mandolin on me. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever played a mandolin? I have two mandolins. Yes, they look like toothpicks. Toothpicks. <laughs> yes. I can mandolins are invisible. Them. Like mandolins on me are just invisible. And to me, they're a, they're an upright bass, so you know it, it cuts both ways. Yeah, it does cut both ways. I just signed up for your Patreon, by the way. What, dude? I just felt I felt like doing it. Thank you so much. It feels good. And you're if you're man. listening, go sign up to Stinking Patreon. Oh man, I really appreciate that, my dude. That means a lot. There's a lot of nonsense on there. It, oh, there's, a, there's a lot of movie talk. There's a lot of, uh, you know, aliens. There's alien talk. There's uh, occasionally we do talk about music. But uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of nonsense on the Patreon section of the podcast. So thank you. I love it. Uh, let's see if we got any more quick ones before we get into the, the classic questions here. Um. Ooh, this is going to be a hard one to answer, but I feel like the internet would like to hear it. Ricardo, my boy, uh, he's been a supporter for a long time. Uh, he says, who is his pedal industry hero or inspiration? And I feel like there's probably more than one. That'd be my guess. Oh, they've changed, but they've all stayed the same. That's so deep. Uh, let's see. When we talked in 2015, I remember how freaking crazy it was that I was doing a pedal with Robert Keeley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Robert Keeley. He's like, I remember being nervous to meet him. Um, I, you know, I used his blues driver on my board for years. And when I, my, it, it, the foot switch broke and I fixed it and then. I started, I kind of learned what his mod was. I took my pedal apart and I mean, he's just so pivotal in me even getting into this. And then I met him and told him the story. I didn't know who he was. And for all I knew, he was going to land blast me or yell at me like I'd heard Mike Fuller did to people or something. And I just went up and talked to him and he was amazing. And he dragged me to the NAM food court. We sat on bean bags and talked and then he visited he drove to Kansas City and visited me and like just amazing. Yeah, he's a hero. Yoshi, boss, hero. 
George Tripp's hero. Um, oh, it's there's so many. I, I look at David DeFrancesca, John Johnson with DOD. They're definite heroes of mine. Um, uh, Keith Barr, I mean, MXR designer. He ended up doing Alesis. He developed the spin chips that everyone uses in their pedals, FV1. Like, mm-hmm. And then I guess my final one, I could go, this would be a great Patreon episode, but for me, but I think um, Marcus Ryle would be one of my biggest heroes. He is the guy responsible for the DL4 and the line six pedals and the pod. And he, he made DSP sound good. And so that's huge. <clears throat> so Marcus is a big deal. He invented ADAP, by the way, that's no small feat. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah no that, that dude, that dude's a legend. Um, and what's, you know, as I interview these people and learn you rabbit trail into other legendary people that no one even knows exists, you know? Yeah. It's a, it, it's a deep, deep, fascinating world. And then some people, they end up like doing something really crucial and then they just kind of, they oh, just yeah. go off to to another industry or they retire and you never hear from them again. It's like, but you changed everything. Absolutely. <laughs> it's weird. It's so weird. There's so many people that their names are completely unknown yet they have made unreal stuff. So that, I mean, that's, that's my passion. That's like why I'm working on what I've been working on. It's these people. You just don't know who they are. Dude, this is great. Great stuff. All right, man. Well, so since you last came on, we've added a new classic question on top of the other classic question. And I, I have a feeling I that your answer is probably pretty much the same for the pizza question. But before we get into that, what is your favorite boss pedal? <laughs> it's impossible. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, but that really is the question I ask every every guest now. So that's it. I would like to see this one day. This list. This would be a fun thing to do an episode on. Like get your list and go down and like demo each one. Um, oh man, that would be a good time. I <sighs> here's what I struggle with. I do love so many, and then I have to find in myself what's the systematic process for determining my absolute favorite. That's what I can't get to the bottom of on this question. I actually have thought about that. You know, this is a question where it's so hard because I'll do an episode or something and it'll pop in my head like, what is my favorite boss? I'll be talking about a subject. Is it the VB2? Is it the DD20? Is it the DM2? I guess I would say. It is. It is. Uh, it's either the. I think it's the VB two. VB two. Okay. I I think, but it, I want it to be the DD twenty because it's more practical for me. I love the vibrato, and I do use vibrato a lot. The DD twenty, in my opinion, is still as usable. And as good as a timeline or anything out. And it was put out like in night in what was it? 2002? Something like that. That's, That's incredible. DD20 I, so I, great. I'm going to commit to DD20. Okay. Yeah. The DD20. All right. You heard it here, folks. Right now, it's the DD20. Right now, it is. 
All right. And the final question, and uh, I, I, I can't remember everybody's answers, but for some reason I've always remembered yours. And I'm wondering if it's still the same. What is right. your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, favorite Chicago. Yeah. It's, it's deep. It's deep. It's yeah. Absolutely. Is it loose? It, this is tough too. I, I think it is. I think it is. Um, That's been your previous answer. Yeah, I, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's loose. Yeah. All right. We'll go with that. You're so, you're very consistent with your pizza. Your pizza. Yeah, choices. the pizza. It, Lou Malnati's is like a religious experience. It's so good. Yeah, I'm totally a Chicago. All I, right. Yeah, I'm very opinionated on pizza. <laughs> you so like here's my take on Chicago. Now, now, granted, I, I I have to be totally upfront. I've not been to Chicago. I've only had Chicago style. I know what it is. I've had listeners send me a Chicago pizza before. Okay. But my take on Chicago pizza for my brain is that it's very good. I really like it. But I view it as a pizza cousin, not unlike a calzone, where it's like it's not really a piece of pizza. It's like its own thing that's pizza related. That's how I view it. Yeah, the... This is a real point of contention, you know, with the pizza discussion. Like you have St. Louis pizza, which let's be honest, it's a freaking cracker. Okay. All right. New, New York pizza. I get it. But New York pizza to me, if I say how I really feel, people will hate me. I just feel like <laughs> Chicago Chicago, and I don't know why California has a pizza kitchen. I've never understood that. I don't but think anybody really does. I, <laughs> I think that Chicago is the only pizza that I can sit down and and be like, "This was a meal. This was good. This was this was this really brought home the bacon." It's hefty. I, it's a it's lot. hefty. I understand the New York thing. I get it. You know. You, you're in town, you grab a slice, it's on a paper plate, grease drips all over your clothes. I get it. I just feel like Chicago's the best pizza. I think it is a pizza. I don't I don't think it's a cousin. But that's where the that's where the fork in the road is. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh now that we have a New Haven style place in in yeah. Portland that that the the guy who runs it is from New Haven. I absolutely yeah, have, have to get to New Haven now. To we have one of those, and I do admit it is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. they might it's almost have... like the middle ground. It feels like a little bit of a middle ground for me. Yeah, I could see that. It's heftier than a New York slice generally. Yeah, but, but I, I think like in these tumultuous times of disagreement, you know, political unrest, I'm okay with you saying it's a cousin. It's fine. It's it's a tasty cousin. We choose you know? we choose our battles. Yeah. It's not like I don't like calzones. I love calzones. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, one, no one's gonna serve me a calzone and I'm gonna flip the table over and run away. I'm gonna be like, sweet, yeah. I got a got a calzone. That's how I feel about Chicago style. Like somebody yeah. drops a Chicago style, I'm like, sweet, look at all this cheese I'm about to eat. This is gonna be That's wonderful. how I feel with the New York. You know, as long as it's well done, like cook it a little bit longer, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I feel that. That's great. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited for what you have cooking and, you know, what we're going to 
continue to talk about moving forward. That was that foreshadowing. Did I just foreshadow future Let's, episodes? It's fine with me. Ooh. Let's just get on the schedule and like make it happen so that years don't actually go by. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is fun. It's always fun to talk about stuff. You know, the show, the company, it's wild for me. It's fun because I think one of the things I've learned studying everyone else's history now for years and years is you don't remember what the crap happened when you're doing stuff. Um, right. I think it's, it's <laughs> like, I can't tell you how many people I've finally got to interview and they're like, I don't know. And I just want to hear more, you know? So I, I like the discipline of like, tell us talk, you know, talking through is good for me too. So I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Yeah. We'll do it again real soon. All right, everybody for Josh, this is Blake. And as always folks, Good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that chat. I know I did. I enjoyed it so much that we had more, and you can check out more of our conversation over on Patreon. So for five bucks a month, you get extra entertainment and nonsense piped right to your ears, and you help scratch this show's back a little bit and keep the lights on quite literally around here. So... If you can do that, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. But if not, please just tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell anybody who you think might get anything out of this show whatsoever, and you might have to tell them like five or ten times before they actually download it. At least that's been my experience with podcasts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, seriously, your support means the world. Thank you so much for letting me do what I do. It, it really means a whole lot. And yes, please stay tuned for tomorrow when that record drops. Uh, I'm doing it under the name American Cyclops, and the album is called Tom, Do You Have Anything Sharp on You? And it involves a lot of pedals. A lot. I mean, a lot of pedals. <laughs> and I'll be talking about that as things uh, progress on Instagram. You can follow me at the Tone Mob. Uh, join the Facebook group, the Tone Mob Facebook group, all that good stuff. You know where to keep up with me. And uh, yeah, there's going to be some more good stuff from me and Josh. Josh and I, you know how it is. I'm a redneck. I can barely talk as it is. Anyway, uh, going forward. So stay tuned for all that. I'm really looking forward to uh, everything. Really looking forward to everything in general. Hope you are well. Stay safe. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time.
We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.